Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to CBS News Roundup ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This is the CBS News Weekend Roundup. Coming up, tens of millions are taking to the skies and the roads for the holidays. We decided to fly a little earlier this year, not cut it so close. While you travel, don't forget COVID, RSV, and the flu are out there. We're seeing increases in influenza. In the Kaleidoscope with Allison Key's segment, a report on an increase in the nation's unhoused, but advocates warn. It doesn't show the full breadth and scope of homelessness because it's just one point in time. I'm Allison Keyes in Washington with part one of a special edition of the CBS News Weekend Roundup. Before we look back at 2023, tens of millions are taking to the air, roads and rails on their way out of town for the holidays. So far, it isn't looking like the nightmare air passengers endured last year. Twas the week before Christmas and all through the airport, a potential record number of creatures are stirring all about. The Tong family is off to ski in Montana. We have not had any flight delays yet or cancellations yet. With sugar plum dreams of on-time departures, despite wet weather across the nation, dancing in their heads. We decided to fly a little earlier this year, not cut it so close, fly a couple days early. The airlines expect more than 39 million passengers during the two-week winter holiday, up 16% from last year. We think it's going to be another record. In fact, United CEO Scott Kirby. Unless there's really, really bad weather, uh, the holidays will, will go well across the board, both at United and for the industry at large. Do you then surge people so that you're, you're ready for that? Uh, so we staff up and we have more spare reserve. Reserves are mostly for flight crews, so pilots and flight attendants, uh, to accommodate anything that happens during those peak demand periods. We've seen dramatically improved results compared to a year ago. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. Do you feel that going into the holidays, the airlines are, there's a better robustness to to their abilities to handle a disruption? I've seen the airlines step up after we put a lot of pressure on them last year, both in terms of their customer service commitments and in terms of their performance. With rain already falling in California and storms expected in the south, the holiday may be anything but a delight for drivers. AAA expects nearly 104 million will hit the road this year. Liliana Ramos is heading from L.A. to the Bay Area. There's a lot of drivers that are not taking really good precautions, and um, we just saw a car hydroplane and smack into the island. Particularly with the bad weather and the crowds at the airport, leave yourself some extra time. One thing to keep in mind, the busiest airports in the country will be busiest in the morning. We're talking about Atlanta, Denver, Dallas, Los Angeles. Leave yourself the extra time. 
CBS's Chris Van Cleve. And CBS's Danya Backus tells us there's a jump in hospitalizations for people suffering from COVID, RSV, and the flu. As we spend more time indoors, cases of COVID, flu, and RSV are rising. Indoor environments, particularly in the winter, tend to be a little bit lower humidity, and that's been shown to help transmit some respiratory viruses. Dr. Andrew Pekosh is a virologist at Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. Data shows over the past several weeks, hospitalizations rose 200 percent for the flu, 51 percent for COVID-19, and 60 percent for RSV. While we're seeing increases in influenza in particular at this time of year, um, they're not as severe as they were last year. And when we dig down deep at the viruses that are circulating right now, they all seem to be pretty good matches for the viruses that are in the vaccine. But vaccination rates are lagging. The CDC issued an advisory that low vaccination rates against flu, COVID, and RSV with increasing cases could lead to more severe disease and strain on the healthcare system. Another thing we can all do to help prevent the spread of these viruses, pay attention to symptoms and stay at home if sick. Dr. Pekosh says testing is also critical and needs to be done early after symptoms. We have to deal with these respiratory infections every year. Uh, We shouldn't ignore them, but we have a lot of tools to be better prepared to deal with them, whether they be vaccines ahead of time, the extended testing that we can do right now for viruses, and the availability of antivirals. He says using these tools can minimize the impact of these infections and keep more people safe. Donya Back is CBS News, Los Angeles. Now a look back at 2023, where some of the political shenanigans in the nation left people shaking their heads in disbelief. The year in politics started with major conflict on Capitol Hill. Republican Congressman Kevin McCarthy of California won the speaker's gavel after a 15-ballot saga unprecedented in modern times. But nine months later, a small group of Republican hardliners led the charge to oust him. They were upset McCarthy reached across the aisle and worked with Democrats to avoid a government shutdown. If the Democrats want to own Kevin McCarthy, they can have it. It took three weeks and multiple candidates amid GOP infighting to finally elect a new House speaker, Republican Mike Johnson of Louisiana. The Honorable Mike Johnson of the state of Louisiana, having received a majority of the votes cast, is duly elected Speaker of the House of Representatives. Just this month, McCarthy announced he's resigning and will leave Congress at the end of this year. If you can't beat him, you persecute him or you prosecute him. Former President Donald Trump remained in the headlines throughout 2023. President Trump. Charged in four different criminal cases, state cases in Georgia and New York, as well as two federal cases. We have one set of laws in this country and they apply to everyone. Special counsel Jack Smith has filed charges over Trump's handling of classified documents and his alleged efforts to overturn the 2020 election. Applying those laws, collecting facts, that's what determines the outcome of an investigation. Despite mounting legal troubles, Trump remains the far and away front runner for the Republican nomination, according to national polls. On Monday, January 15th, we're going to win the Iowa caucuses. We're going to crush... Crooked Joe Biden next November. President Joe Biden launched his re-election campaign in April. 
Let's finish this job. I know we can. President Biden's son, Hunter, faced the first ever indictment of a sitting president's child, facing tax and federal firearms charges after a plea deal unraveled in a Delaware courtroom. Senator, did you betray your country? An indictment against New Jersey Senator Robert Menendez alleges he accepted hundreds of thousands of dollars in bribes, including bars of gold, to benefit the Egyptian government. In light of the expulsion of the gentleman from New York, Mr. Santos, the whole number of the House is now 434. The U.S. House voted to expel New York Congressman George Santos, who faces charges of fraud for allegedly stealing people's identities and making charges on the credit cards of his own donors. Do you have anything to at the Supreme Court, Justice Clarence Thomas faced ethics questions of his own after accepting expensive undisclosed gifts and travel from wealthy friends. In a historic ruling this year, the conservative majority dealt a major blow to affirmative action, ruling against the use of race in college admissions. But voting rights advocates received a victory when the high court ruled against Alabama congressional maps that diluted the power of minority voters. The ruling is expected to have implications in 2024's elections. Natalie Brand, CBS News, Washington. Coming up, fallout from the Israel-Hamas war. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using rocket money, I would have said yes. But let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had, and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. On the CBS News Weekend Roundup. I'm Allison Keyes. We're looking back at the headlines that have captivated the nation this year. Few have caused such a global uproar as Israel's war with Hamas. CBS's Cammie McCormick. It began with the October 7th attack by Hamas on Israel that stunned the world. The savage attacks that Hamas perpetrated against innocent Israelis are mind-boggling. Slaughtering families in their homes, massacring hundreds of young people at an outdoor festival, Israel declared war. Israel did not start this war. Israel did not want this war. But Israel will win this war. And the U.S. quickly pledged its support. The United States stands with Israel. We will not ever fail to have their back. But Israel's bombardment of Gaza had devastating consequences for the civilian population there. And many became concerned about the growing humanitarian crisis. We need a ceasefire if we want to save whatever is left of our humanity. But the ceasefire didn't hold despite days of hostage and prisoner swaps. And the fighting continues with even Israel's staunchest allies calling for more restraint. Cami McCormick, CBS News. On Friday, Israel said that a 73-year-old dual U.S.-Israeli citizen believed to have been taken hostage by Hamas is no longer alive. CBS's Robert Berger. 
73-year-old Gadi Haggai, who had both American and Israeli citizenship, has died in captivity in Gaza. This is according to a group representing the hostages' families. Haggai and his wife were kidnapped from their kibbutz by Hamas on October 7th. He was shot and critically injured. His wife remains in captivity. Robert Berger, CBS News, Jerusalem. In Bethlehem, the conflict has left a deep sadness where in past years, people from around the world came to celebrate Christmas. CBS's Chris Livesay. Of all the places in the world, a little town of Bethlehem, the birthplace of Jesus, knows how to celebrate Christmas. But this year, Christmas is canceled. Gone are the Christmas tree, Santa Claus, and the carolers. Many of the shops are shuttered with hardly a visitor in sight. Even the Church of the Nativity, the usually packed pews, sit empty. According to believers, this is the precise birthplace of Jesus Christ. And normally this time of year, celebrations would abound, but because of the war, there's hardly anybody here. Since the October 7th massacre by Hamas and Israel's ensuing ground offensive, tourism throughout the Holy Land has come to a grinding halt. In solidarity with the people suffering in Gaza, the people of Bethlehem have more to mourn than to celebrate. At the Evangelical Lutheran Church, they fashioned a nativity scene out of what's now found everywhere in Gaza. Rubble, says Pastor Munter Isaac. We've seen so many images of children being pulled out of the rubble. And to us, this is a message that uh, Jesus identifies with our suffering. In the cradle of Christianity, Palestinian Christians make up the world's oldest community of believers. But they're shrinking in numbers. Here in the West Bank, only 2% of Palestinians are Christians today. In Gaza, it's less than 1%. The vast majority believed to be left homeless by the war. Mirna Alatrash, a Christian from Bethlehem, fears her community is facing extinction while the world looks away. Even some Christians, some, not all of them, they forgot about the Palestinian case. It's really forgotten by the Christians all over the world. Father Sandra Tomashevich serves at the Church of the Nativity. It's a big struggle, of course, because the Christians here are in the middle. You know, they always want peace. They don't want conflict. They don't want, want war. Uh, they just want... Uh, uh, everybody just to sit down, talk about peace, let's pray together, let's see what we can do for having this uh, peace together. After all, peace, he says, is the true message of Christmas. Chris Livesay, Bethlehem. The Israel-Hamas war is causing worries in France about the Olympics this summer. CBS's Monica Ricks explains. The opening ceremony for the 2024 Summer Games could be in limbo as the war in the Middle East rages on and terror threats around the world escalate. French President Emmanuel Macron says Paris plans to hold the historic event on the River Seine next year, with athletes parading through the city on boats. Performers haven't been announced yet, but he says if any of that is threatened by extremist attacks, plans and the location could change. Macron cited the terror attacks in Paris in 2015, where more than 130 people died and hundreds were injured at six different locations. ISIS claimed responsibility, calling it retaliation for French airstrikes in Syria and Iraq. Monica Ricks, CBS News. Now for some of the other international headlines, including the Russian war on Ukraine. 
Ukrainian forces continue to fight the Russian invaders. Russian President Putin facing war crimes charges at the International Criminal Court. At the Vatican, the funeral of Benedict, the first pope to resign in seven centuries. Triumph for India's moonshot, tragedy beneath the North Atlantic. A remote-operated vehicle discovered the tail cone of the Titan submersible. In Mexico, it's not possible, he says. Acapulco's been destroyed after Hurricane Otis unleashes looting and destruction. In Iran, women burned their hated headscarves in the street and jailed Iranian activist Nargis Mohammadi wins the Nobel Peace Prize. King crowned in Britain, a global media king gives up his throne. Rupert Murdoch announcing he'll leave his role in mid-November. And artificial intelligence helps those pop gods, the Beatles, release a final single. Vicki Barker, CBS News. There was other entertainment news in this busy year, particularly for one superstar. 2023, hands down, the year of you-know-who. It's me. Taylor Swift ruled music, streaming, and movie sales. People would come up to me and they'd be like, are you going to do a show with all the albums in it? And there was the new boyfriend, the Chiefs' Travis Kelsey. Welcome to Taylor Swift. She is here, everybody. Top summer movie. Did you bring your rollerblades? I literally go nowhere without them. Barbie skated to almost one and a half billion dollars at the box office. Dune 2 was delayed. This world is beyond cruelty. In the midst of strikes that sidelined the industry for months. Government has a car that runs on water, man. One TV star, Danny Masterson, was convicted of rape. Diddy and Russell Brand accused of sex assault. Kevin Spacey acquitted. TV fans lost a friend. Hollywood is mourning the death of actor Matthew Perry. Other goodbyes. To Tina Turner, Lisa Marie Presley, and Raquel Welch. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News. One more entertainment note, Beyonce's Renaissance World Tour earned nearly $600 million globally, and it hit movie theaters in December. Coming up, a warning about a popular dietary supplement. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. On the CBS News Weekend Roundup. I'm Allison Keyes. We're looking back at the headlines from 2023, but wanted to bring you a warning about a dietary supplement called Kratom that's taken by millions to treat everything from pain to anxiety. CBS's Mark Strassman tells us it is now being blamed for addiction and even deaths. Dustin Hernandez, an overnight hotel clerk, died from a violent seizure at work. Toxicology testing blamed the toxic effects of metragenine, a psychoactive component in a health supplement called Kratom. He was in denial about it being addictive, but as, us as a family noticed that he thought he needed it. Dusty Young says her 29-year-old brother took Kratom for anxiety. Were you concerned about the amount of Kratom he was taking? Yes. He had a little shake to him and wasn't as hungry as much. And did you say anything to him about it? Yes. What did you say? I told him that stuff wasn't good for him, that you know we've noticed these changes, and he said he needed it to feel normal. Kratom's a Southeast Asia tree. Its leaves processed and eventually sold as a dietary supplement with opioid-like properties. Kratom products are often marketed as a wellness wonder. Some users believe it's good for pain, anxiety, and drug addiction withdrawal. 
But the FDA considers Kratom addictive. The agency told us in a statement it has warned consumers not to use Kratom because of the risk of serious adverse effects. Since 2014, the FDA has tried to bar Kratom from being imported. Nonetheless, Kratom sold widely, from online to gas stations. Every bag of Kratom on the shelf got here by people who are fraudulently saying it's something else. Lawyer Talis Avalins represents Dustin Hernandez's family. He put his faith in this Kratom product, and then he was hooked. There's fraud going on. Absolutely. Multiple levels of fraud? Yes. And what makes it even worse is that they're selling it like it's coffee or tea. Even the American Kratom Association, the AKA, admits... There are a number of Kratom actors that you would agree are bad actors. Absolutely, I would agree with that. How many Kratom players are there? I guess about 8,000. And how many legitimate ones are there? Uh, I would say three dozen, maybe a few more than that. But for that, AKA spokesman Mac Hatto blames the the FDA. The FDA has made it the wild, wild west. They should be regulating, regulating it and protecting consumers. Six states and a number of cities have banned Kratom sales. In response, the AKA is pushing the Kratom Consumer Protection Act, a best practices standard. Eleven states have signed on. But the AKA denies the dark chemistry of metragenin or kratom. So there hasn't been a scientific evaluation of a level of metrogenin that would be toxic. The medical examiners have established that metrogenin intoxication was in fact the cause of death. That sounds scientific to me. They merely repeat what the FDA says. This kratom product is associated with seizures, coma, and death. And if that had been on the bag, Uh, a lot of lives would be saved. His family says Dustin Hernandez was always shy. They intend to be a loud voice for accountability. Mark Strassman, CBS News. Now to the top health stories in 2023, including the huge focus on weight loss drugs. Drugs used for weight loss, like Ozempic and Wagovi, soared in popularity in 2023. They stimulate the pancreas to make more insulin. They make you feel fuller faster. They reduce your appetite. A study from Novo Nordisk, the drug maker behind Wigovi, found it can also reduce the risk of heart attack, stroke, or heart-related death by 20%. Two new therapies to treat patients with sickle cell disease are now available. One uses a gene editing therapy known as CRISPR. You're changing somebody's DNA, so obviously you want to make sure that the corrections you're making are, are the ones you want. In July, the FDA approved the first over-the-counter birth control pill, called Opil. Two months later, the agency approved Narcan as the first over-the-counter medicine that can reverse opioid overdoses. If it's in the store in the aisle right next to ibuprofen, it really also helps to reduce stigma. CVS pulled phenylephrine from shelves after an FDA advisory panel decided the popular decongestant likely provides no more relief than a placebo. Talk to your local pharmacist um, about what the alternatives are. The fight against Alzheimer's disease received a boost when the drug Lakembi received regulatory approval. Trials show it slows early progression by about 27%. Updated COVID-19 vaccines that target recent variants became available in September, though just a small fraction of Americans have gotten the shot. I know folks want to leave COVID in the rearview mirror, but unfortunately it is still here. 
Protection became available against RSV for the first time. Pregnant women and older adults can receive a vaccine, while the antibody shot Bay Fortis helps prevent the virus in babies. As you know, the near death of Buffalo Bills player DeMar Hamlin during a football game in January spurred a national movement to teach more people CPR. Screening guidelines for breast and lung cancer were updated in hopes of saving more lives. The American Cancer Society lowered the age for a yearly low-dose CT scan to 50 for people who smoke or formerly smoked a pack a day for 20 years, or two packs a day for 10 years. And the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force now says women should begin regular mammograms at the age of 40 rather than 50. Michael George, CBS News, New York. They say a good belly laugh is good for your health as well, which is why we bet you've already seen a favorite holiday classic a few times. There's a big anniversary for the eighth highest grossing Christmas film ever. Just cool it. It's hard to believe it. You sit on a throne of lies. But the holiday hit Elf turns 20 this year. Watching Will Ferrell's buddy has become a tradition for generations. When's the last time you watched Elf? On the airplane on the way over here three days ago. <laughs> Even after two decades, fans come to New York to trace Buddy's steps, including at the Empire State Building, where his father worked in the film. He walked right through here. Absolutely, right through that door. This year, the building's on board with the celebration. In the lobby, windows tie into the movie clips are even part of their new museum. I work at the Empire State Building is when he takes off and just all the buttons in the elevator get touched and then he makes it to the top. That's my favorite. 86 floors up at the famous observatory, Buddy is grabbing attention too, along with the views. The coordinators visiting from Scotland are checking off several of the movie's locations. The film's fantastic. We went to Central Park earlier and we saw where the snowball fights were, so we just love it. And it's not just here, high above the Big Apple, fans across the country are finding ways to celebrate this sweet anniversary. There's an elf empire of products, from maple syrup goldfish to Krispy Kreme donuts. Meal kit maker HelloFresh has an elf option with pasta, syrup, and candy, so you can fix breakfast just like Buddy. The company says they sold out. Good? Good. Good. A modern-day Christmas story that's proven its staying power. You think people will still be watching it 20 years from now? Yeah, I know I will be. <laughs> and earned the kind of love. I love you. I love you. I love you. That lasts. Bradley Blackburn, CBS News, New York. Coming up in the Kaleidoscope with Allison Keys segment, Homelessness in the Holidays. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. On the CBS News Weekend Roundup. Welcome to the Kaleidoscope with Allison Keys segment, where every week we discuss issues including income inequality. This time, with the holidays underway, we're talking about homelessness in the nation over the past year, as the Department of Housing and Urban Development released numbers finding a 12% increase over 2022. But at the nonprofit Community Solutions, Adam Riggi notes that HUD's numbers cover only a single night and might miss some unhoused people. 
this is something that's been done since I believe 2007. And uh, each year, you know, HUD releases their uh, annual snapshots. For example, the, the point in time count uh, results that were just released uh, uh, recently are from January, 2023. So communities are required to, to do these point in time counts typically at the Latin last two weeks in January of every year. And then about 10 months, 10 or 11 months later, HUD releases the, the report of that. But it doesn't show everyone. So the thing about that is, um, you know, typically because it's just on one at one point in time, right? And then the last two weeks in January, uh, it just captures the number of individuals or families that were counted on that night. So it doesn't account for, you know, people who are, you know, maybe in, in colder or colder climates where, you know, there aren't as many unsheltered homeless because it's so cold out. You know, if they're sleeping outside in the summertime, they wouldn't account for those. So it's just it's just a one, you know, one point in time. Uh, and therefore it is, you know, it doesn't show the full breadth and scope of homelessness uh, because it's just one point in time. We're also talking about people that aren't uh, what's the phrase visibly homeless, right? People who are living in cars or doing everything they can not to be in shelters. So those people aren't being counted either. Yeah, so you know, some communities they use different ways to try to estimate those counts. Um, we know that that some communities do like a statistical sampling. They do uh, take different approaches to it. You know, whether or not that's accurate, you know, it really depends on the community and their their rigor that they use to be able to count those. So we, you know, what what we know though, in in the work that we do at Community Solutions, is that we believe that for a community to actually solve uh, solve a problem like homelessness, they have to have a more accurate real time account of people uh, experiencing homelessness. So, you know, the point in time count, again, can be useful maybe as to look at trends year over year. It actually doesn't help an individual community solve homelessness, right? Because like I said, this data that's coming out is uh, nearly 11 months old now. And it's not anything communities don't already know, right? Um, that they know that, you know, the, the, the rates, you know, are going up in many of their communities. And that this data that's being released isn't anything new to them. So talk talk to us a little bit about who is unhoused out there and why. I know there's been a rise in veterans. I know there's been a rise in people of color. And then the migrant situation in many cities is complicating that issue as well. Yeah. So you know what we know is homelessness is is a is a, a symptom of larger systemic issues, right? And you know what we what we know and 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 seeing you know the the end of some of the COVID era you know flexibilities to relief that were provided to communities uh the rising inflation rates you know stagnant wages rising housing costs are all contributing to this we we you know we hear this from communities every day that you know people who have never experienced homeless before homelessness before are are, are, are for the first time experiencing it and so, you know, with that, um, we're seeing those increases. Now, you know, we also know, and we, we talk about, you know, the the rates of unsheltered homelessness, which is what people see, right? They see the tents on the streets or the person, um, you know, asking for money on the street corner. What we also know is that family homelessness has, has been increasing and it has increased, uh, you know, according to the pit count uh, by about 16% over the year. This is a, a group that includes children. Right. So homelessness isn't just, you know, increasing among um, what, you know, you would think of as an individual living in a tent, but it's also increasing among families. It's increasing among uh, youth. And so what, you know, what we believe in, in, in the work that we do in Community Solutions is that 
being able to identify, uh, you know, how many people are experiencing homelessness, who they are, can actually help solve the problem because they know, you know, what the solutions are for them, or they can, you know, invest in solutions to help solve the problem. So, you know, seeing increase and seeing these increases, you know, through the pick count again can can give a sense of the national snapshot, but at an individual community level, uh, those communities are able to identify, you know, how many families are homeless, how many, you know, how many youth are homeless or, or what have you, uh, they can actually more, more quickly address the problem or bring in investments in terms of staffing maybe or housing resources to help solve that problem. I know that some cities like uh, Minneapolis, I think, have reduced chronic homelessness by nearly 80% since uh, 2017. How'd they do it? So, you know, communities like in in Minneapolis and and other communities that we've seen, when they are able to really work together to, you know, Minneapolis is a community that's actually established uh, uh, real-time data, what we call real-time data. They know how many people are experiencing chronic, chronic homelessness at any, you know, at any given time. You know, when communities can identify you know what what the scope and scale of the problem is. Um, uh, they work together throughout. You know the not just the nonprofits or organizations in the community, but also their government work together to help solve this problem and have you know groups that are accountable to solving the problem. That's what we that's what we see in Minneapolis. So that's what we see in many communities. You know, Detroit, Michigan is another one that has reduced veteran homelessness by seventy percent since twenty seventeen and or uh, since twenty fifteen. Sorry. And um, they too see continued reductions of veteran homelessness. And again, it's about having the uh, political will, having you know people get together to work together to solve the problem, and having that real time data are key to that that success. I'm curious to what you're hearing from cities such as Chicago, my hometown, which is saying that it's running out of shelter space, not only for its already existing homeless, but for the migrants that are being bused there and sent there. And I know El Paso is having the same issue. How, how big of a deal is that out there? We work with, in, in Community Solutions, we work with a little over 100 communities. And uh, while, you know, some of our communities that that we work with have indicated that they're, they're uh trying to understand how best to address the the challenge. I, you know, I, I can't speak to like individual, like I, Chicago, for example, is not in the, in the Boca Zero uh, network. So I, I don't, you know, I can't speak to that, that, that particular uh, instance, but, you know, I, again, I think it, it comes back to, you know, there's going to be, especially when you look at um, uh, changes in either, you know, either migration or changes due to climate change. This is something that's starting to emerge is that climate change could cause cause displacement. Communities need to be able to be resilient and be able to adapt to those those increases. So, you know, know, the the increase in migrants can be a, a driver for that, but we also know that, you know, affordable housing the affordable housing housing challenge is the one of the biggest drivers, right? Uh, we also know that in the future there's going to be other drivers. And what we what we do is we work with communities to try to identify future thinking, become resilient, be able to plan for those those increases so that so that people can um, you know obtain housing so they don't come into the homeless system in the first place or they they obtain housing quickly once they come in. Let me ask you briefly, Adam, it's the holidays and, you know, it's the time of year where people are hopefully giving and supporting others. Is there anything that the general public can do to help the unhoused in various cities? Is it coming to organizations like yours or food banks or? 
the thing that we know um, about about homelessness, and this has been this has been um, you know supported by research uh, time and time again, is that the vast majority of people experiencing homelessness in your community are from your community. That um, these are your neighbors. And, uh, you know, with that, when 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 the public, you know, give money to local charities, whether it be the local homeless shelter or the local continuum of care, which which oversees, you know, a lot of the, the programs in the homeless response system that can make a big impact on uh, on the community's ability to respond and get you can give back by you know, contributing to those local nonprofits by contributing to you know, organizations that are that are designed to help solve the problem can go a long way to support. That's Adam Riggi at the Nonprofit Community Solutions, using its Built for Zero movement to solve homelessness in more than 100 communities in the nation. Coming up, a post office with a special mission. You don't think of like Christmassy things in Florida. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. On the CBS News Weekend Roundup. I'm Allison Keyes. In Philadelphia, a nonprofit is changing young lives through comedy improv in a city where more than a fifth live in poverty. CBS's Jerika Duncan reports for our CBS News series, A More Perfect Union. Teapot! Okay. In this eighth grade class, clowning around is encouraged. You could. Ah, nice. (laughs) How free do you feel in this class to be you? Very free. The room normally used to teach science is transformed for a new experiment each Friday. Students push the lab tables aside. We're going to breathe in. Shake off the week. And warm up for the unexpected. So I decided to give it a try with students DeAndre and Zaria. Zip. Zoom. It's not zoom. Zap. Zip, zap, zap. Okay, I was still getting the hang of it. But it was clear these students at Kearney School in Philadelphia were having a great time. And that's the point of the Unscripted Project. The idea is to use improv comedy to help students think fast on their feet, communicate, and collaborate with others. What's one thing you really like? Uh, Nutella, yeah. Nutella? Oh, it's a great, I love Nutella. And uh, what's one thing you don't like? Uh, not having Nutella. Not having Uh, Nutella, okay, very specific. Paul Dykeman and Francine Audrey. Very great are two of 10 local actors and comics who visit these city schools to show kids they can be anything they imagine. Like when DeAndre took control as a TV remote. It's horrible. I'm tired. I can't take it anymore. They they, they never wash their hands. I'm greasy. I'm dirty. The laughs and love here can provide a lifeline in an environment where violence is nothing new. Philip Chen is co-founder of the Unscripted Project. In one of our schools, a student was unfortunately passed away from a neighborhood incident. A neighborhood incident. He was literally shot outside the school. But how we react to that is in our control. Chen says he discovered the value of improv as a theater kid growing up in Australia. It really transformed everything I see about myself. I learned how to be more confident. I felt a rush and a joy that, like, hey, I found my personality. I found a space where I could feel safe. When we visited this class, students were six weeks into a 10-week session. Corinne Potter-Simmons is program director. A student may be just going through so much that, okay, you know what, let's scrap the plan, because it's it's improv. There shouldn't have been a plan in the first place, you know? Of course. (laughs) At the heart of what it is, is about being comfortable 
being uncomfortable. It's about navigating through uncertainty. So if you can unlock that in how you view yourself and your potential, then the sky's the limit. But then again, when it comes to improv, there are no limits. It helps me accept my mistakes, you know. It helps you accept your mistakes. Yeah, I, I'm not worried about that. I've learned it's okay to be silly or really just turn off your learning and like just be free. Philip Chen and the other co-founder Mira Menon plan to launch an after-school program in the spring. They hope to expand to other cities in the future. Jerika Duncan, CBS News, New York. Law enforcement in Louisiana finds a different way to interact with kids at Christmas. KSLA-TV's Donna Kia. A Bossier Sheriff substation was full of deputies and toys as they prepared for their Operation Christmas Wish Toy deliveries. Lieutenant Matt Gatos said the event warmed their hearts. They get to see kids that they are at school with every day. They go to their house. They're able to deliver these gifts. Uh, just to see the reaction of the families, it's very rewarding. I've been able to do it for a couple of years now. For the project, school resource officers are able to identify children and families who are in need. Sergeant Tina Frugier then steps in as the project coordinator. It is very special for the uh, kids because sometimes they only have bad interactions with police, and this is a good interaction with them. <laughs> On the other side of the river, the Shreveport Police Union and Louisiana State Trooper Association held Feel Good Christmas, which is a shop with a cop style event. Officer Phil from SPD tells us he started doing this project years ago, helping give toys to children who probably wouldn't have a Christmas otherwise. Now Phil says this helps show a side of law enforcement that children don't usually get to see. So many other times they only see us coming inside at home, arresting mom, arresting dad, or sister or brother. And this is another side that a lot of people don't get to see, us actually showing love to these kids and these families. This is the first time the Louisiana State Trooper Association has partnered with the Shreveport Police Union for Project Feel Good. Trooper Leanne Hodges said it is very rewarding to see the children light up and take a toy home. To be able to just walk down an aisle and grab something off of a shelf and, you know, have the ability to put it in the buggy and take it home with them. Finally, a small town in Florida really embodies the Christmas state of mind. Welcome, I love your bag. A visit to the post office this time of year may seem like a chore. Got my letters. But in Christmas, Florida, it's a tradition. Good morning. Don King is the postmaster for the town of about 2,000 residents that keeps a Christmas tree up 365 days a year. Much like the town, the post office keeps Christmas decorations up year-round. But it's during the holidays when it sees the most visitors. It is absolutely the busiest time of year for us. The post office handles letters to and from Santa. And we've got a reindeer. And also has decorative stamps. This is going to the United Kingdom, Australia, Japan. It's where Skylar Hand comes to mail more than 100 holiday letters every year. It, it's ironic to send a Christmas card from Florida from Christmas. You know, you don't think of like Christmassy things in Florida. LaDonna Johnson is all about the Christmas spirit. This has been her go-to post office for two decades. To get a card from someone that they know and love cares about them, yeah. that means that's just a special thing. 
It's a lot of fun. It's Emily Acosta's first year. We're starting our tradition, yep. While for Walter Alcoin, the annual trip holds a special memory. This is our favorite part of the year every year, so a little hard for me, so keep the tradition going. He and his wife of 30 years would make the 50-mile drive to Christmas to mail their cards. She went all out for Christmas every year. Full, full tree, full lights at home. Cynthia Alcoin died 10 years ago. I know she knows I'm still doing this to this day. I know she's watching down on me doing it. A holiday tradition that embraces the spirit of the season and shares it with that special postmark. Cristian Benavides, CBS News, Christmas, Florida. That's it for the Weekend Roundup. Thanks for listening. We want to get your feedback. Send us your thoughts and story ideas to Weekend Roundup at cbsnews.com. As always, you can find the program online on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. The Weekend Roundup is produced at the CBS News Washington Bureau. Sarah Fishman is the technical supervisor and Alan Peng provides production assistance. Tara Lipinski is the executive producer. Have a great week and holiday. I'm Allison Key, CBS News. If you like CBS News Roundup, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert, and I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure, because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.